Happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, greetings from a snowy Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to our Shift Spot Session Three: Revenue Enablement. Uh, today we will uh, we're going to cover the the third session, which is um, the opportunity management driving a net new revenue. So, uh, if you weren't able to participate in in sessions one or two, um, this is the third of four. And again, the the baseline of this whole series is, as you can see, to how we can exceed your revenue and customer acquisition goals by building a scalable, repeatable, predictable and profitable revenue enablement model. So I will dive into the agenda. Um, this, again, this uh, specific session is gonna be focused on opportunity management, definition and discipline. I'll do a brief overview from sessions one and two, very brief, because we have a lot to cover here today. The challenges facing today's uh, enterprise, B2B sales, just B2B salespeople in general. I'm gonna talk about sales methodology, sales process, opportunity assessment, technology stack, resources, what you can expect. And if there's time, we will do some question and answer, but feel free to interject throughout this session. I want it to be interactive if possible. So the, the summary from session one, what we talked about there is um, target market, ideal customer profile, buyer personas, and internal team structure. And this really set the foundation. I guess if you look at like a building, you've got to have the importance of your foundation before you start going up in the air. So this really provides the foundation. The next session was marketing, which will um, start to, you know, start to put the building, that analogy, it'll start um, coming out of the ground. And the key takeaways are, um, you want to perform your as-is scenario. What the result will be is increased lead flow, conversion, quality content. Remember, we talked quite a bit about content last time, where content really, really is king. And we'll, we'll I'll refer to that in, in the session today as we go through this. And also the importance of tracking the campaigns and the KPIs, because there was a there is a significant investment um, in these programs to drive those leads. So uh, you want to make sure you're spending your money in the right area and you're spending it wisely. So um, I'm not going to spend, I just, for those of you um, that weren't joining before, just a, a little bit of about me, you know, kind of been there, done that. So <laughs> um, been there doing that actually. So um, I've been doing it for about 25 years in both sales and, and marketing, um, building high performance teams. So again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but just trying to establish a, a baseline for credibility here. Now, uh, you, we, we, uh, we visited this the last two sessions, um, and this is the customer life cycle. And today we're really gonna spend time on the selection stage where the majority of the time is gonna be spent by salespeople and what they're gonna do in this part of the process. It does not mean that salespeople won't be um, involved in later parts of the customer lifecycle, maybe the onboarding and some of the reference stuff. But this is, again, we're really focused on B2B salespeople as opposed to account management. This is new account acquisition. So that's an important consideration to keep in mind. New account acquisition, and you know what it what it's going to require to go through the selection process to get a new customer. So that that's all fine and dandy, but you know what are 
what are some of the challenges facing these selling resources? And I see this time and time again. Okay, you know, I've only got 70% of my selling resources um, making quota. That you know, why why is it why is that? That's a horrible number. If I'm sitting in the CEO or CFO seat, it's it's really difficult for me to do my projection projections. If my sales team is only, you know, 50, 60, 70% of their quota. Also qualification that, you know, it, it's, it, it drives me crazy. And a lot of my clients that, you know, okay, you know, if they can fog a mirror, they're qualified. Well, that's absolutely not the case. And we'll talk about that a, a little bit more. A size of the evaluation and, and buying team, what we've seen uh, over the past, it, it increases, it seems like it's increasing year over year over year. And, and now for enterprise software sales, even for smaller SaaS deals, uh, software as a service deals, those evaluation teams are ranging in four to eight. So, and the messaging is going to be different for every every one of those buyers on the team. So that, that, you know, that is a significant challenge and we'll talk about some of the ways we can address that um, later. <clears throat> Pricing integrity. Um, all our buyers went to the same buying school. So they, they, yes. they want, you know, okay. Yeah. You know, That's legitimate too, by the way. I, I, I don't, did I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I went to uh, the Bay Group negotiation training that was then acquired by CEB and now owned by Gartner. It was like the premier uh, negotiation training course out there that Intel use, HP, all the big of the bigs. And uh, the guy told us straight up, he's like, yeah, after all you sales folks, you know, the following week, we, we uh, do the same class for the buyers. <laughs> yeah. So that's, so uh, again, you know, that's the importance of, of selling on, uh, on value. I mean, it sounds good on the surface, but they all, you know, especially the software, they all like, okay, you know, we're used to like 40% discount or 50% discount or whatever. And, and uh, towards the, towards the end of this, I'll actually kind of, I'll go through a scenario where, you know, if you hold some price integrity, even by 10%, what that means to the bottom line. And then the accuracy of, of forecast deals. There's so many of these salespeople that have oh, rose-colored glasses. And, you know, all of a sudden at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, it's like, oh, this is slipping till, um, till next quarter. And as a, as a sales leader, you, you know, you have to be able to dive into these deals. And, and again, I'll talk about ways to dive into those deals to investigate um, and evaluate the the accuracy of these forecasts because again, so some of the numbers out there are pretty scary about the accuracy of, of forecast deals. I mean, these are not just deals in the pipeline; these are forecast deals and missing forecasts by 25, 30 percent. And then, right people in the right seats—that's also a critical component. How do you know if you've got the right person in, in the right seats? And it's more than just quota analysis. You have to look at activity. You have to look at aptitude. You have to look at, uh, you know, do they want to do this job? Are you doing the training right? And then the onboarding. You know, I've seen, you know, if, if you reduce your onboarding time, you know, even by a month, that's, that's you know, that's significant. But how do you do the onboarding? Is it sales enablement? Who do you use for training? So all these are challenges that, uh, and there's probably, you know, the, the list probably keeps going on and on and on, but these are the ones that I see time in and, and time and again. So let's say, where do we start? So let's, you know, establish, and again, I'm going to stress this is mostly for enterprise B2B sales. It doesn't matter if it's SaaS or um, SaaS or professional services, 
but you know we have to establish a realistic quota right and that that's a little bit art and a little bit science but you have to establish a realistic quota based on the average deal size based on the average sales cycle and i really based on my ex experience and, and again we're talking about net new customer acquisition for i would say deals that are in excess of an average of fifty thousand uh, um, dollars in annual recurring revenue or greater but it's so it's really important to establish a target account list whether it's 25 or 50 it's really important and i've seen that be very successful once you start establishing uh, a target account list and and again we've already as i mentioned um, we've already established who your target market is. You've established who is the ideal customer and who are your buyer personas. So within your, your target account list, you know, you've probably got six or eight um, entry points you're looking at within that account that all need different messaging. And then percent of leads uh, from marketing versus self-generated sales qualified leads. Now, this is a really important piece because, again, in, in, in my experience, um, that the salespeople, if they're expecting the vast majority, or even the majority of their leads to come from marketing, that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So it's really important that the that these salespeople, the net new acquisition salespeople, understand that the vast majority, again, in that 70% range, that they need to generate those leads themselves. I've only seen uh, less than a handful of instances, I mean, and they were more smaller transactional deals where more leads came in from marketing than were generated by the selling resources. And then there's another thing from a from a sales leadership perspective. What is your pipeline coverage? Uh, you know, typically I want to see a four x pipeline coverage, and it may be three, it may be five, but typically you're fairly safe. So what does that mean? If you've got a, a you know a quarterly number of I'm just going to pick a number of half a million dollars, that means you should have approximately two million dollars in your pipeline. So that that coverage is very because you you know even so that's even at that that's a um, twenty five percent um, close rate and I think that that's you know if you're qualifying correctly if you've got the if you're doing your opportunity assessment I really believe that that number is uh, is not only that should give you the coverage you need to get but four to five x but it is going to depend on your um, in you know what kind of salespeople you have. What kind of target market you have, and then how you manage to that. So those are those are again. You once you create those, these are the, the really the foundation for your planning metrics. And now I want to go into a, a a methodology. And there is a difference between the sales process and the sales methodology. And I want to I, I will talk about that in a couple minutes. But I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time doing a deep dive. On the sales methodology, I'm happy to uh, within shift spot. Um, Ken, um, if you could maybe outline a little bit about the best way that people can come in and and either um, ask me questions or um, have the ability for me to do some additional discussions with them. Yeah, just uh, tag you at at, at uh, James uh, your name and then ask the question. By the way, I posted one for you last week, and uh, and it should post up and, and send you an email if you did not see that. Uh, okay, that's how they should tag you in the community, both uh, current members and new members, which we're onboarding, and then just post a question and you can uh, you can address it there. 
Great. Um, so I've got that notification, Jim. Just let me know, and I can I can address that. I, I will look. I must have missed that. <laughs> Sorry. So um, I am available, everybody. So not 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 to worry. So again, um, I've kind of I've created a, a sales methodology that I call business impact um, selling. Um, and that's kind of an amalgamation of there's a whole bunch of different methodologies out there today, like Sandler and Medic. And and to me, it's whatever works best for your organization. I'm not advocating any one over the other, other than it's imperative, critical um, that you have a methodology. And again, I will talk about the difference between the two. But the, in this case, the methodology is focused on making sure your selling resources understand the business of their accounts, right? So what is so how do you match your your offerings to the pain that they have, right? To the pain that the prospects have. And you know, it's it's really tied into three things. How how can you increase revenue for um, for your for your prospects? How can you decrease costs or compliance? It, it really is you know, if you if you're not focused on those three areas within your solution, um, your your win percentage will go way down. So again, and if we move to the target accounts and then overlying, you know, what their business challenges are, and you have to be able to address those as a selling resource in your discovery calls. And again, I'll I'll do a little bit deeper dive into that here shortly. But then you want to, you know, you want to move for um, into that trusted advisor is just a, a you know, a, a selling role, a salesperson, a, a partner, or sorry, a vendor, you know, and, and that's not an easy thing to do. I know a lot of people talk about it, but if you focus on how you can solve your customers and prospects business issues, you will, in fact, be able to move into that trusted advisor role. So that's again. Yeah. Just real quick, it's really hard to ask you questions because honestly, you, you have so much covered in, uh, with what you're addressing. Uh, it's very in depth. But just out of curiosity, how long does it take a company or an individual that even move into that trusted advisor role? And and you know, one of and just real quick, one of the, uh, the methodologies I love personally is challenger selling. That's I'm a I'm a challenger snob, so that that's what I, uh, I, I like to use. But in your opinion, how how long can that take? Uh, between nine months and 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 a year, maybe yeah. you know three to five quarters at least, right? Yeah. Because you know you have to be able to talk their language and you have to establish trust, right? Right. You know, People are not going to buy from the selling resource until they trust you, right? And yeah. and that's easy to say, but not easy to attain. And in your, I like the uh, you know the challenger sale, the challenger customer. Yeah. So, yeah. Either one, I don't care, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my, there's a, different ways to skin the cat. Just pick and adhere to it. Yeah. That's right. So once you've picked, and, and here is a really important thing, and you know we'll talk about that in this uh, the sales process too. So uh, you know here is an example um, sales process B to B to B, right? So uh, again, um, the, the difference between the two is a, a methodology will give you a framework to create the um, the, the the discovery framework, the the qualification framework, how you set up your your solution. But then there has to be the sales process, right? So this one, and I encourage you to, I've, I've seen some sales process with like eight or nine steps. 
Um, and that just, that gives me hives. I mean, I, there's no reason for that. Same here. Um, yeah. I mean, this one is, as you can see, pretty straightforward, right? There's one, two, three, four, four steps to, to a closed one. And you'll see on the right side, this buyer's journey, that's a little bit different than, um, than the, the graphic we've seen before. But what I want to talk about here is at any point in time, we, we I mentioned earlier that um, in, the, in the last session that, you know, buyers can be as far as 65 to 70% down the uh, buying stage, cycle based on their own research. So in other words, they may be ready to engage a selling resource so that that if if it's at that stage, it might go into the all of a sudden go into the like the needs analysis or the solution and proposal stage. You don't want to say, okay, you know, you that's where the question framework is so important. And once you actually get somebody on the phone or they they call in, right? So the the point being here is be prepared at any of any of these uh, cycles, any of these stages in the buyer's journey to overlay that with your sales process. So, and I'm not going to spend time today on the implementation, the delivery and deployment and customer satisfaction and, you know, reference, but there is a distinct difference between the, once you get to close one and how you do the handoff. Yep. That's, that's kind of the takeaway here. So let's, let's talk about, okay, what is, what is an opportunity? What is a sales process, right? So yeah. Question there. There's a lot of people, in my humble opinion, that ignore the buyer's journey. And in my opinion, you need to understand the buyer's journey a lot of times to even establish your sales process, right? And I think that's where paradigms have changed a little bit, in my opinion, is, is you know, the sales process used to be a traditional way. It's like, oh, we send them a quote and then we call them, yeah. and then we close them, and then we give it to somebody. And, you know, that, but how important is that linkage, in your opinion? It's, Incredibly important. And that's why in session one, we talked about the buyers, you know, the buyer life cycle or the buyer journey, right? And, and you know, work, I would, as a sales leader, a marketing leader, you know, that's part of your onboarding and, and training and, and the foundational work that we also talked about in previous sessions that, you know, how, you know, you have to understand how your people, uh, how your clients buy. Yep. And, and, you know, unless you're a very young um, or startup organization, that's easy to find out. Just ask your <laughs> ask your customers, yeah. right? Or validate. So here's what I think your buying process is. Because, I mean, if let me go back one here. So, you know, everybody's exploring, right? They're all looking, they're evaluating, and then they engage. And when I, um, so when they engage, I mean, engage with the salesperson, um, or, you know, or uh, a BDR or SDR experience as part of the delivery and um, deployment and then expand, land and expand too. But to your question, Ken, it's absolutely imperative that, you know, the entire revenue enablement organization, so that's marketing, sales and customer success, understand the buyer's journey. Yeah. And here's some interesting uh, data as well. And you've hit on some of this at 70 to 80%, whatever, uh, have, have made up a majority of the decision before they even talk to you, number one. But, you know, number two, comp comp people come back and buy from you based upon the ease of buying from you. Your repeat customers buy from you again on how easy you are. So, if your buying journey is complex and we don't understand that, then your repeat business could be a challenge. 
that's a that's a great point uh <laughs> i hadn't thought about that lately but no it has you have to make it easy to buy right yeah. you have to make it easy to engage because if you don't somebody else will so yeah. that's a great point thank you for 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 bringing that up but then you know okay so um we talked about SQL, sales qualified leads. We talked about marketing qualified leads. We talked about moving it through the process. But, you know, let's to start at the top of the sales process is the qualification. But, um, you know, it is, and I had some definitions before. I always like to have a couple definitions out there just for, for grins. But again, it keeps everybody on the same page. But it's, you know, there's some specific criteria that's going to create your um, create the the beginning of the um, of the opportunity. So you know but what's what's what are the business drivers from the customer that you know you make sure you have a solution that uh, aligns with the, with the prospects business drivers. Uh, you've got some references in that area. So again, you you need you know the the definition of of you know once it gets in an opportunity, it has to have some foundational basic you know, definitions that meet um, criteria previously set, such as, again, budget, business driver, and a solution that aligns with what the customer is looking for. So I want to talk a little bit now about, okay, that's fine and dandy, but how, how do we how do we inspect this? How do we, you know, increase our overall win rates? How can we move these forward um, into uh, um, through the sales cycle? And you'll see I, I've assigned percentages on here. You know, most of the CRMs, they love to assign percentages to, uh, the, you know, to, to these different stages. Um, this, this, I think these, these percentages are, um, in my opinion, just, just based on uh, what I've been doing for, for the last, you know, 20 plus years. But what I would encourage you not to do is do forecasting based on percentages. So what does that mean? Let's say you have a... A pipeline that you've got a million dollars um, at the RFP stage. So I'm gonna, like you say, okay, I'm gonna forecast uh, half a million dollars. That's that does not work in my opinion. I agree. What's that, Ken? I said I, I agree a hundred percent. I think it's a good idea to understand it from a weighted pipeline perspective. Yes. But you don't close half a deal. <laughs> That's. But I've, I've seen. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that when I come in. Oh yeah, we've got. A million at the RFP proposal stage, or you know, yeah. a million at the contract stage. You know, how many times have you seen a contract go south, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, because that. But anyway, so but I think it is. It's a good measure to say, okay, you know, if my pipeline is is you know um, stagnant at, let's say, I've got you know a million dollars in and needs assessment and it hasn't moved in uh, a month. For even a week, right? You know, that's a good way to look at it too, right? Why is this not moving? Is it truly a qualified opportunity? How long does it take to move these through the uh, uh, through the cycle, right? Right. So again, and it, this is a pretty straightforward, but there, there's there's numerous components in each one of these. Don't get me wrong, right? So as you do needs assessment, you've got to just you know you're moving. Uh, okay, it does meet our our you know ideal customer profile. The discovery call that's where you're going to start instantiating your methodology. You know the, whether again the, the challenger sale is a is a good one. Um, challenger customer it, it, it creates you know that's where you start using your the content that's developed. That's where you start start um, moving into that trusted advisor role. As long as you can understand what's driving the the, the customer's business and you can articulate your solution against that. 
Yeah. So I've kind of broken it down into three distinct areas, a pro the prospect information, the internal information, and the competitive information. And um, this is pretty detailed, but I, I won't spend a ton of time on, on all of these, but I want to point out that, you know, there, there's some tools that 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 I've utilized and that are available that, that you can go through these pretty quick and, and maybe you've only got 10 questions. Maybe you've only got, you know, maybe you've got 20 questions. You know, 15 is quite a bit, but I just, you know, read through these real quick. I'm going to pick out one of the requirements clearly defined and are they technically feasible from, from the, from this is from the prospect side, right? Um, and then you rank them on a one to five and, and it comes up with some empirical data. Does the does the prospect client agree with the business case? So this this helps really on multiple levels. This will help you, you know, um, identify or move it through the cycle. This will help you to say, okay, do I need a subject matter expert to, to come in and, and, and work with my solutions engineer or my SME, work with the, the customer and their, you know, buying committee to go through these, right? So, and then you can come up with just a ranked number. And, you know, this, this chart here, it just gives you, uh, okay, um, we're weak in a couple areas. We're strong in a couple areas. So as, as the sales leadership, you can say, okay, um, how do we work on these other areas? What, what do we need to, where do we need to expand on? I don't know. I just find this a pretty handy tool that you can take a look at that and say, wow, okay, we've got a couple areas that we need improvement to move this forward. So it just, it's kind of a, I don't know. I like, I like to use this as a, as a graphical assistance uh, assistant to, um, again, if you to help move it through the prospect, because you have to inspect it, right? You have to work with your salespeople. You have to identify, you know, do they need a subject matter expert? Where where can we help from uh, um, from a, uh, a reference perspective? Where can we help from a technical perspective? And then internal information, right? Um, I just mentioned reference. So is appropriate reference been identified? On reference selling, um, I, I think as we're aware, is, has a very high return on your close rate. So that's pretty important. Do we have the resources and ability to deliver, right? Um, that's also extremely Im important. Um, how well are we known? You know, If it's our target market, then we should be very well known, right? Do we have a successful track record with, with similar opportunities? And what that will generate is, again, this, this spider chart that you can see. So um, there are, is, is, again, it becomes pretty apparent where some of the weaknesses are and how as a sales leader, you can help coach your team or, or collaborate and, and try and, you know, when, once you get, you know, fours or fives along all of these, you should be having a pretty darn good close rate. And then finally is the um, competitive components, right? Um, there's always going to be competition in a deal. And, and how do you address those competitors, right? Um, so, I mean, there, there's these these questions I've, I've used with several clients, but um, I also customize those as I go into uh, new client opportunities. I would encourage you to you know, happy to share some of this with you and, you know, create, create new ones based on what's in, um, important to your organization, right? So these, these questions can be customized to your organization. And again, the, the infamous spider chart. <laughs> but again, I, I, I really, I mean, this is a great visual. You, just, you can immediately see where some of the weaknesses are. Yeah. So that, that's kind of, we, we talked about opportunity assessment. 
um, you know, the three components of that. And now, um, you know, where do we track this? So this is, you know, we've got to have some, some KPIs and, and you know, the, there's a lot of them that you can do on dashboards, but, you know, uh, uh, you can see this one is broken down by what your, um, you know, what your opportunities are within the stages, right? There's also overall pipeline coverage. You want to do conversion. Um, I would also encourage you to take a look at activities, right? Um, deal velocity. So there's there's a you know there's a lot of different uh, <clears throat> excuse me metrics that you can use as we you know as you're building these dashboards. But the you know the important part is build the build the metrics and follow the metrics and let those. I mean it's the classic if you can't if you can't measure it you can't manage it right. So um, you know these these are just a couple examples whether you use uh, you know. Salesforce, this came from Salesforce, whether you use Salesforce, HubSpot, I don't, you know, the, the, again, it's like the sales methodology, sales process, and CRM, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the technology stack, but, you, you know, you have, you know, you've got to have a way to track those, track their activities, track, you know, everything in your pipeline, so, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd encourage you to say, okay, um, do I have this, these dashboards set up? How am I setting it up? What what are the what are the important uh, Im, important metrics that I need to see that I want to have right? And also this helps you manage your salespeople. Okay, how come one of my selling resources um, with the same number of leads has twice the opportunities? Or why does that one selling resource you know why does he have a close rate from an SQL um, to a close one opportunity of forty percent versus another one with twenty percent? So, you know, this can give you some visibility into, into that, you know, converted leads, for example, right? So there's, there's a lot of different metrics and, and I would encourage you to, to, to spend some time and say, okay, which are the ones that are important? And there's a lot of them that are important, but, you know, just build that into your dashboard and then manage accordingly. Yeah, Jim, Jim, I mean, I think maybe you touched on this in one of your other uh, discussions, but how many of these metrics do you do you recommend people have as far as leading versus lagging indicators? Or is there a good rule of thumb? Uh, I know at the leadership level, I like to coach people to you, uh, try to tee up like 70% as, as leading. And I'm not sure if there's any best practices in sales and marketing that you use. You know, uh, um... The, the leading uh, lagging indicators is going to are, are, you know, a lot of people tend to do that. So, you know, my, my pipeline, my deal closure, those are all yeah. lagging. Right. So, but, but leading would, could be, you know, activities, number of, of net new, uh, net new, net new opportunities within and uh, within the pipeline within 30 days. Right. Mm -hmm. um, another a leading can be, okay. My, uh, my my SQLs right my SQLs have gone up week over week but that's that's a um, that's an important point that, that yes I uh, I should have mentioned that and that's a great question but um, makes because uh, I've seen time and time again that there's too many lagging indicators right conversion is a lagging indicator right activities um, new net new opportunities and conversions are some good leading indicators. Yeah, so, you know, I, I would say that you certainly want to have a good combination of, of the two, maybe 50 50 can. OK. All right. Sounds good. So now it's like, OK, what kind of resources do I need um, to to, you know, to to make this happen now? An SDR or, or a business development rep, sales development rep or a business development rep. 
That depends on the, the size of your organization. That depends on the size of your deals. If you've got more transactional type business, um, that would be something I would encourage you to take a, um, a, a, a look at with, uh, with your organization because uh, they can do some lead qualification. In other words, they can help do the marketing qualified leads to the sales qualified leads. But um, so again, that's going to depend on your organization. That's going to depend on your, your 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 deal size. That's going to depend on your offering too. So um, I think I would I would I would encourage you to say, okay, where is an SDR important? And sometimes SDRs will report or BDRs will report to marketing. Sometimes they report to sales. To me, it doesn't matter as long as they're getting you know as long as they're tracked. Of what they're doing and their success rates are doing and i would also we haven't talked much about compensation plans here but you know compensation plans should be tied to um, qualification of deals and overall revenue um so and then the sales team um this is new net new account acquisition sales folks so some the model you know what is your model do you have a direct model do you have a channel model um with with a uh, and the, as you look at hiring um, I would also say that, you know, I, I would encourage you to take a look at some um, ass assessments as part of your hiring, either as your hiring process or your training process or just uh, on an ongoing basis. And there's numerous assessments out there They're like Wonderlick and um, Objective Management Group. But that's, uh, again, I, you know, how do you, how do you other than just pure um, quota success, which is a uh, important part, but not you know not the only part of evaluation. But there there is a difference between um, channel and direct salespeople. The DNA is different in the channel and direct sales as well as it is from the um, customer success account management people too. So if you're going to do a, a channel person, that's much more of a, a what I would call a business development relationship building than the direct salesperson. Um, and then the account management, we're, we're not spending a lot of time on account management in, in this in this session, but those account managers also um, are going to be more of you know the classification called the farmer as opposed to the hunter. They're, they're relationship builders. They're, they they you want to have those people keep uh, keep the retentions high, um, and grow the account, the land and expand type of uh, uh, of a situation. So. Uh, and then the, the revenue operations, those folks will support your technology stack, such as the CRM, um, such as outreach. But you, you want to make sure that somebody's supporting that. And I would encourage you not to leave that to your IT organization. So that, again, the, the kind of the summary of this one is the, all of those different resources um, have different training requirements. They have different onboarding requirements they and they're different as part of your hiring process so i would really encourage you to especially on the um the between the um, sales the direct and the channel um that's really an important distinction which i see a lot of people overlook and um it's those are a lot different resources any questions on that one ken no no you nailed it great okay so then okay we, we talked about the technology stack um, in our previous session, we talked about some on um, those first three, the sales intelligence, the, the content management system. So the on your website, the marketing automation. Now I wanted to go into um, the, this, the CRM, 
um, sales engagement or conversational intelligence. So what is the difference in those? So the sales engagement, like an outreach or a sales loft, um, what those those platforms enable you to use, they create automated follow-up. Um, I've seen okay success with that, but that takes, you know, somebody needs to be paying attention to that because, the, you know, if you're not doing your follow-up and where, where it does come into play is that when you're focused on, on these target accounts, um, if you don't have, uh, you know, it takes what uh, I've, I've heard somewhere between nine and 13 touches or between 11 and 14 touches before you can actually get somebody to respond. So, you know, and then that case that sales outreach is, is pretty darn handy sales engagement. And, and then the um, conversational intelligence gong and chorus um, those I've seen to be pretty successful for, um, uh, for coaching and help with your training and help with your onboarding and help with uh, your discovery calls. What that, that can do is, is identify, you know, uh, who's, who's talking more the prospect or the, uh, or the sales rep. Right. And, you know, it's a classic thing. You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You want to be listening twice as much as, as you're talking. And then the, 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 the CRM, I don't, doesn't, Again, I don't Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive. There's there's lots of them out there. And, and the next slide you can see like, oh man, I didn't know there's that many of them. But what what the cautionary tale there is, do not over-engineer your CRM. This is why it comes back to those you know like five steps in your sales process, right? Um, because you can with each one of those steps, you can have components and like uh, put in components of the sales playbook to present you up with the right uh, right content for the right resource at the right time in the in the in the, uh, in the sales process. But I've seen you know people turn their CRMs into atomic bologna slicers, which you know that's uh, the salespeople won't use it then, right? And it's you know this is a lot too many times I've seen it. Oh, this is a great tool, and that's you know if you're in the leadership seat, right? But right. and you're like, oh, okay, I'm a sales guy, and this thing, you know what? It's awful. Yeah, I don't want to do any. So just make it easy. And it is right. I mean, it really you can make it you can have integration to your Outlook or Google and, and track activities that way and, and put some, you know, helpful tips in there and present content and present. So there's a lot there's a lot of ways you can do a great deployment without spending a, a whole bunch of money. Is, is the is the point right but do not over engineer i've just seen it too many times where um oh this is a, it's a great tool for management but it's not you know it's not a great tool for your selling resources and who's who's more you know both are important but if your selling resources aren't going to use it that's that's a recipe for disaster what well, i found in rolling out any of these systems too um you know and even you know, CRM and small companies that aren't used to it. A lot of salespeople see it as a, a, a way to measure and monitor them, which it partially is, let's be honest, but that makes the adoption poor. And if you spin it in a way of, hey, if you use these tools and if you adapt to this, you can actually be more efficient and make more money, right? And they start to have different optics on it and everything. So yeah, but go no, that that's, yeah, that that's a that's yes, I I absolutely agree. If you're like you know, here's how easy it is to use, and I always say, hey, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, if you're trying to manage 25 accounts, um, you know, and or if you even if you've got five eight opportunities in there, I'm not smart enough to remember all the things I should be remembering, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is great. 
Yeah. Oh, I got to call this guy. I forgot. I almost forgot about it, right? Or I had the W two and their and their commissions, and and it'd be perceived differently. That's right. Yep. Yep. So we talked a little bit about uh, you know how many CRMs are out there. This this one is kind of fun to, to me. Is like this is a chart from from G two, right? It's like oh man, how many CRMs do I get to choose from? But you know you can see in that upper right there's there's HubSpot, there's Salesforce, and you know again um, you you can get into to a lot of these for not a ton of money, right? And, and but you know the. The big investment comes for, okay, I'm going to customize it for this. I'm going to customize it for that. And then all of a sudden it becomes, to your point, Ken, unusable and the people don't want it. You know, they don't want to use it, right? So so kind of, you know, as we say, okay, um, what, what do I want to do next, right? So um, I want to make sure that um, I'm going to look at my budget planning. If you, that's, again, approximately 8 to 12% of your annual revenue, um, which is a pretty similar number to what we talked about last week for your your marketing organization um overall um again depending on the maturity of your company depending on if you're in growth mode if you're in growth mode your total sales and, and marketing budget should be in that 22 to uh, 24 percent and i've seen it higher for some companies um significantly higher but it depends on you know again the growth mode and where you are in a company even if you're you know um uh, fairly um, fairly new and not really a startup, but a little farther, you need to spend a significant amount of money on these selling resources. And that includes the people too. Yeah. So a few CEOs and owners uh, understand that to be quite honest, right? And will underinvest, uh, right? And then be very disappointed why they're not getting the return. Uh, because let's face it, these resources and systems and everything we're talking about, it is expensive too. It's a lot of money, but that's why, uh, you know, as part of this, uh, I really stress the, you know, how are you doing your inspection? How are you doing your training, right? And you can make course corrections and sales. Um, you know, we talked last time about, you know, uh, what time, at what point in time do we, you know, do we adjust our marketing? Well, marketing takes you know, 90 days or, you know, campaigns, 90 days, you can make a much faster determination on your selling resource and more like the, you know, four to six weeks time frame, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as you're tracking the right things and, you know, I, I would say, okay, you know, when you say evaluate your existing sales infrastructure, um, that means you're, you're, you're selling people. So you're, you're, you know, your, your, your assessments, well, how are your people doing other than just, quota and pipeline analysis. And I, and I mentioned that before too, right? So, you know, you, you this is a, a constant uh, constant work for the sales leadership. And, and again, I you know, if you've not used assessments before, don't use it as a be all end all, just use it as a data point. Because if it's used correctly, um, if if your people are not at, at quota, I mean, you, you can, between the, the analysis that I showed earlier and some of the assessment, um, you can even, if you're an EOS client, there's the people analyzer, they get it on a capability. So there's a, there's a lot of different tools out there. And again, as a sales leader, you need to be aware of those and you need to leverage them uh, correctly. Yep. Your, your, your technology stack, again, I've, I've seen organizations that, that have so many components of technology. Everybody's like, oh, this AI does stuff does great. You know, that this, my CR, so I just like, um, the, the moral of the story here is you don't need that many <laughs> applications to be successful, right? Don't, don't, don't use, don't think the technology is going to close your deals for you because it's not. It's you know? not, yeah. So, 
and then the developed uh, dashboards and KPIs. We talked about the you know the importance of leading and lagging indicators, and you know I think that those are you know I've seen people to be overloaded as I mentioned on the uh, the the lagging indicators. Do not do that, right? You you want to you want to say, hey, okay, you know what are what are we doing and how can we change, and then. Review, create, and update compensation plans. That's that's another discussion in and of itself, right? So if if we look at the you know compensation plans drive behaviors, right? Especially for salespeople. And I mean, most of them. Let's face it, they're coin operated, right? That's that's not a bad thing. Want that? You want that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad thing at all. But right. I've seen, and I talked about it earlier on, is the importance of of setting the correct quotas too, right? And I, you know, when you talk about the revenue enablement organization, marketing, sales, and CX, I also like to tie marketing in, into a revenue piece too. So um, this is a, a concept that that's not readily uh, accepted or adopted, but it's important because you have everybody pulling in the same direction. But um, compensation plans are an integral component of um, how you can motivate your salespeople. So. Um, Again, I think that you saw this for for uh, for, for marketing, um, and I want to do it for selling too. You can, again, you can you take a look at your existing state, right? Um, and there's not that many pieces of it, but uh, do you have a sales methodology, and are you using the sales methodology? Do you have a sales process, and are you using the sales process? Um, I see a lot of people that oh yeah, we got a sales process, and I'm like. Well, I'm looking at your CRM and it doesn't look like uh, you're capturing the right information to align with your sales process, right? Or in your CRM, I don't see anything that aligns with your sales methodology, right? And, you know, your 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 compensation, it looks like you got compensation plans, but, um, you know, nobody's, you know, people are at quota and they're still complaining that their comp is horrible, Right. So again, this 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 gives you some insight into your existing situation, and it doesn't take that much time, right? Um, there's only, there's not that many components to it, and you know you have to be honest with yourself, right? I mean, because if you're going to have a high performing sales organization, if you're not doing all these components, you're, you're not going to be successful. And and there's there's a and next week we're going to really talk about the the, the leadership piece as well. Awesome. So, so, and then, you know, what, what kind of, where, where does that, where does that end up? What does that look like for me? Right. So um, the right people, right seats, decreased onboarding cycle, your increased win rate, your improved forecast accuracy, consistent quota attainment and deal and revenue integrity. And let, let me just run you through something. So let's say we have $100,000 average selling price, right? I'm going to talk about your increased win rate and your deal revenue here. So let's say we have um, $100,000 average selling price uh, um, offering. It's a six-month average, um, average selling cycle. So let's say I increase my close rate by 5%, 5%. So that's one additional deal per year. Let's say I um, protect my pricing integrity by 10%, right? So if I'm if I've, if I've got a, a two uh, a, um, a sales cycle at six months, all of a sudden I've increased it from two to three deals just by increasing it by five percent, which is a fifty percent revenue increase per selling resource that's amazing 
So, and then if you add, if you say, okay, I'm going to protect this, that I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get 110K as opposed to 90, or, or sorry, I'm going to get maybe 110K versus 90K, right? That swing there. I had another 30K on there, which is a 65% revenue increase on an annual basis. That's 330 versus 200K. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you've got your CFO hat, you're going like, Okay, I kind of like this language that I'm that I'm hearing now, but I mean, it's just five percent, five percent deal increase. Give you a, a six month sales cycle is going to be a fifty percent increase in your revenue. It's awesome. Good note. So, so you know, if you follow this framework that we've been talking about, um, uh, you know, your 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 odds of um, getting that, you know. 50% increase from the sales rep is extremely high. Yeah. But you have to pay attention. So yeah. And, and on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. Awesome. I love this, I love this quote from Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. Yeah. That's a great. It all comes down to executing, right? So, that's right. Yep. Very insightful, Jim. I appreciate it. So uh, yeah, do ping me if you didn't get that notification. I want to make sure that you're getting the notifications for those by the community. So we we can take that offline. So those in the community, just at James and we'll immediately pull him up and then you can send him a message and he should see it pop up an email. So we'll take a look at that. I'll confirm that. Yep. Outside of the community, listening to this on our podcast, uh, go check us out at www.theshiftspot.com. And uh, you can also, for those outside, uh, feel free to email Jim at jim at gcestrategicconsulting.com. But very insightful, Jim. I appreciate it, my friend. And uh, look forward to your your uh, your final one next week. And yes. a good tee up, by the way, because you're going to hit leadership and management. But then uh, next month, uh, we've got a uh, professionally certified coach with multiple certifications that's going to come on. And the entire month is going to be about leadership and management, uh, along with some working exercises for those that come back on a weekly basis and work through and and, uh, talk about leadership skill sets. So it's cool because, look, leadership is across all departments. So it's just. Uh, it wasn't planned that way, but it's nice that we're going to end in sales and marketing, leadership and running those departments and teams, and then dovetail into leadership and what that entails as a whole. But uh, thank you so much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Ken.